How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Beso Profundo podcast. I am Jonathan. And I am Sam. And in this week's episode, uh, we are going to be talking about Taylor Swift's Folklore album. Taylor hey. Swift's Folklore. Oh, Sam, this was one of yours, and I was really excited for it because I don't listen to Taylor Swift very often, and I know you do. Mm, yes, I do. And I have very strong opinions about why you don't listen, Jonathan. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Throwing me under the bus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I listened to some of her stuff earlier on. Like when, what was what was some of her first albums? Like, is it the Red album? Oh, Red, yes. Mm -hmm. I listened to some of the Red album, and then what is the album that where she's like drawing in the notebook and showing it to the guy from like across the street? <laughs> you know what I'm oh, talking about? Which which yes, one is that? That's you belong with me. It's off of Fearless. Oh, okay. She writes on the paper like you okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's so iconic. And then she was also originally a country singer right okay yeah she started off in country and it's funny because i've been obsessed with her since i was like oh gosh i don't know maybe like eight or something like i loved her first album when it came out but i hate country music <laughs> i am uh, not a country girly but for some reason i loved taylor's country you just resonate with her like so much i do I don't listen to country music either. I listen to, I don't listen to the newer style of country like Kenny Chesney or who's another like of the country music stars. I know there's Kenny Chesney. Is he the one like who the does? Like the new people? Yeah. Is he the one who does No Shoes Nation? Oh, uh, I think so. The only other new country people I know are like Zach Brown Band. I like him. Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker. Oh, because Darius Rucker's um, Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm pretty sure. Like he, I'm pretty sure Darius Rucker is Hootie of Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, I did not know that. Darius oh. equals Hootie confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and plus for us, those songs are so iconic when it comes to our Mighty Joe music. Those right. are just the songs that are just on playing all the time. So I don't want to say we listen to them ironically, but more like nostalgically, if that's a yes. word. I don't even know if that's a if that's an adjective. <laughs> no, for sure. I yeah. feel like nostalgically is a word. And you're right. It is very nostalgic. Yeah, exactly. Like if I had a million dollars, wagon wheel, red solo cup, like I feel like those are acceptable country or country adjacent take me home country roads <laughs> oh yes uh, but like some of the country that i listen to is more of i want to say like island music because i really like jimmy buffett mm. and the only reason i started listening to jimmy buffett was because he was on the mcelroy's podcast my brother my brother and me and i thought that he was just really sweet and he was a really nice guy which helps for that's how I listen to people. Like if I know that they're like cool and nice, then I'll be like, Oh, I'll check them out. I'll check out their stuff. And then uh cowboy country. Like I really like that sort of style. Like they're singing about being out on the range. They're, <laughs> they're, they're lassoing cows. Who is that guy that I listen yeah! to? <laughs> Cause I have, I have one playlist where it's literally, it's just called tips, cowboy hat provocatively. And it has the picture of SpongeBob <laughs> as dirty Dan. 
Um, Marty Marty Robbins Marty Robbins does really good country. So oh, I, okay. Yeah, he does he does the song Big Iron. I don't think I know that one. I'll listen to it after this. It's very good. I'm gonna put it on my list. We we have strayed far enough. We are talking about Taylor Swift and yes. the folklore album. Sam, could you give us some background on Taylor? Like set it, set us up, set the stage, paint me a word picture. I would love to tell you some background about Taylor. So Taylor Allison Swift was born on December 13th, 1989 in Pennsylvania. She learned guitar at age 12 by a local musician. And at age 14, her family moved to Nashville and she signed with Big Machine Records. Nashville, country town. Yeah, country town, country girly. You know how it is. The the, the (laughs) U.S. down under, not the terrifying spider filled hell. Yeah, sorry Australia, but yeah. <laughs> Oof. Uh, they they know what they are. Yeah. Oh my god, they know. Uh, <laughs> she released her debut album in 2008 and she soon became a sensation. Since the success of her debut, she has released 10 studio albums, done 5 world tours, one of wow. which she's currently on. Yeah, she's crazy. What's her what's her tour right now? I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Her tour right now is the highly talked about Eras tour, where she basically performs a collection of songs from each of her eras, each of her different albums. Oh, that's interesting. It's so cool. Is it like each show is a different era or does she play like she'll have one show and then she'll go through the eras that way? Yeah, she has one show and she does the eras that way and she actually jumps around a little bit she doesn't do them chronologically which i thought was really interesting yeah definitely so but it's oh my gosh it was so good i went to the concert at gillette stadium back in may nice i did and it was so fun and i hadn't seen her since i was like 10 i saw her at the fearless tour yeah so it was super cool to see her and of course when she played like the fearless set i was like fangirling because i was like did you cry i went to this show oh of course of course. It's, of course. It's, it's unavoidable. She sang um, a song with Phoebe Bridgers that's on Red Taylor's version, and mm. I couldn't help myself, and I just started crying. The tears were flowing. You just got to, your tears ricochet, you would say? Ah! ah <laughs> My tears we, did ricochet. We did, we, did, we did it. We did it. We can oh, just end the episode now. That was now. really Goodbye. good. I, I think we can. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> see you next yeah, exactly. week. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Yeah. So the Eras tour has been, I mean, so talked about because there was that whole Ticketmaster fiasco where Ticketmaster shut down and oh, no. everybody and their cat was trying to get tickets and the tickets were going for like thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I had some lovely friends that took me to the show. But I can even imagine resale would just be horrible. Like people going in, buying the tickets, and then just scalping people absolutely on them because you got to go see Tay-Tay. She's, she's oh queen. my gosh, yeah. I think more than <laughs> half of the tickets were probably like scalped. Is that the yeah. right word for it? Scalped? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, they'll well, they'll go in, they'll buy up all the tickets, and they'll sell them for like crazy higher retail value and yeah and like they're essentially like scalping you of, of yeah like, i'm pretty sure that's what it is okay i didn't know if scalped was the right like past tense because it sounds uh, a little horrifying but... i know it's a it's a little graph don't think about it too hard we'll we'll uh we'll we'll check it up <laughs> later and if there's if it's different we'll go and we'll re-record and put something in the, in the end to be like hey guys this is totally not it so sorry about that 
She's she's doing those world tours. She's doing the eras right now. She is, and she has won twelve of her forty-six Grammy nominations, including Album of the Year three times. That's thrice. crazy. Thrice. Yes. Emphasis. Thrice. Yep. But forty-six nominations. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. She truly is something. So of, of the awards that she won, we have some of them, not all of them, because 46, I, I feel like we would be here all day. It would be like mm-hmm. pentatonics in the, uh, in the first episode where I'm just like, <laughs> I didn't realize there was so much here. So right. she has, what are some of her awards? Of, of the nominated ones, favorite pop album, favorite rock album, those are two separate ones. International artist, Billboard 200, album of 2020, two different international albums of the year and then outstanding creative achievement uh, and then record production slash album like the American Music Awards, Aria, Billboard Music, E, People's Choice, Juno, Gaffa, and Tech. And then just what, what are the ones that she won? Let's see. She won an Apple Music Award for Songwriter of the Year for Folklore, a Danish Music Award for International Album of the Year, she won two Grammy Awards, both for Folklore, Album of the Year, and Best Pop Vocal Album. Guinness World Record for the most day one streams of an album on Spotify for a female. A Japan Gold Disc Award for Best Three Western Albums. Mm. NetEase Annual Music Award for Top Western Album and Top Folk Music Album. And the iHeartRadio Music Award for Best Pop Album. Wow. So, so that, many wins. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, just straight up seven of her of her grammys right there out of 12 are, are, are the grammys those ones are they the what is it the little turntable like the little yeah. the little record okay i, was, I yeah. wasn't sure what those are honestly i'm not surprised in the slightest that she has won so many awards for folklore because what she has done with this album has honestly in my opinion changed the music industry this is by really? far one of her best albums and one of the best albums of all time. But I'm very biased, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. Uh, like, I I obviously, in, in the beginning, I was talking about, like, oh, I don't really listen to Taylor Swift, so I hadn't really encountered a lot of her content. Maybe just the big stuff, like, look at what you made me do. Uh, what's another What's another one of her, one of her, like, big hits other than you belong with me in recent history because I'm, I'm actually not sure because i know um, she's had some on the radio let's see uh 22 is a popular one what else is there how does that go 22 i don't know about you yeah feeling 22. 22 yeah uh blank space shake it off shake it off okay see that's the one that i'm thinking yeah. of yeah definitely look at what made what look at what you made me do and shake it off or like the big ones but other than that i hadn't really dived into like her discography mm-hmm. so and especially for folklore you know listening to through for the for the episode and checking out each individual song it was really interesting because i i liked it i liked the music but it wasn't it wasn't exactly what I imagined would be like, oh, this is like a Taylor Swift sound. This is like Taylor's sound. Because it's it's so different from mm-hmm. like, I want to say everything else that I've encountered, that's hers. So it, it was it was a good album. Yeah, especially those mainstream or quote unquote mainstream ones that you would hear on the radio, like Shake It Off and stuff. Folklore is so vastly different than it's those completely extreme poppy songs. Yes, completely different vibe, but it works so well with her voice, with like just her image, 
her personality, like creatively, mm-hmm. the album is just so, so well done. And I'm and, so excited to talk about it more. Oh, yeah. And like lyrically, it feels more, I want to say involved. It's it's a lot more, there's a lot more depth to it, I feel like, when it comes to the lyrics and, and the themes just of what she's put out for it. But I just thought it was funny because when we were talking about it, you even told me that it was a surprise album. Like no one knew that it was coming out until it was there. So I can only imagine the reception was just absolutely <laughs> blown up. Yes, it was a surprise album. She announced on Instagram the 23rd of July in 2020, the night before, mm-hmm. that she was coming out with it the next night at midnight along with the track list. And, oh gosh, I remember there going on Twitter. People were freaking out on Twitter because this is something that she's never done before. Right. And Taylor is known for her Easter eggs. Easter eggs? Her Easter eggs, yeah. She likes to basically like put little, how do I call it? Like little secret things in music videos in her posts in things that she says that like fans can pick out and like put together. Mm -hmm. Like for example, some fans like figured out in her music video for Bejeweled, which is off of midnights Mm -hmm. that one of the elevator buttons that she presses is, I can't remember what it was, but it was like a specific number, like 13 or something for like the 13th floor in the music video. Yeah. But the button when she pressed it was purple. What? So fans were like, that means Speak Now Taylor's version is the next Taylor's version album to come out. And was it? And um Yes. <laughs> what? How do you how yes. do you get that from that? Exactly. I don't know how I don't know how the Swifties do it. We're really a different breed of people. I know. You guys are just like I picture some Taylor Swift fans that dig so deep into her stuff. You know, have you ever watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. Like, you know, the Pepe Silvio, like where Charlie's in front of the board and he's like, has like the conspiracy theory, like that classic image of like all the, (laughs) I just imagine Taylor Swift fans are like that, where they're like the the purple button and oh, are, are the names of these two characters tied to something else, which is actually something that we'll go through in the, in the love triangle section of of the episode when it comes to like Betty and um, what is it? It's Betty Cardigan and August. August. Well, well, yeah, we'll get into that part. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much to this that, that I had, that I had no idea. And I'm really glad that, that you put this up for our episode list because I feel I would have never listened to it if we weren't doing research about it. We weren't looking at it more critically. And I honestly, I found myself enjoying it. Just the like the songs, the music, like her whole thing, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I that I got to check it out because it, it is Yay! just so totally not on my radar. <laughs> um, no, thank you. I'm so glad that you liked the album. I'm just, and I'm so glad that you agreed to do this episode with me because this is like one of my favorite albums ever. And honestly, even though I have listened to this album more times than I can count. There is still so much that I didn't know until we were researching for this episode. Like themes, lyric meanings, just so many things that I was like, really? I would have never known this. Like, I wouldn't have guessed this. It's just so interesting. Yeah, and it's just, it's an interesting way of 
looking at music because you can just listen to it surface level like oh this sounds nice it's 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 put it's composed really well it has a good sound and you might know the chorus but as for like what it actually stands for and i think the one that i'm really thinking of that i just i had no idea i think it was the last great american dynasty and it was epiphany those two Mm. I I had no idea what they were about, and they and they gave me trouble, just trying to figure them out for our, our initial like look into it, and then versus the the deeper meaning of it. And I looked into it, and I was like, wow, this is this is it goes a lot harder than I actually anticipated. But it's it's a great album, and it, it is yeah. it is really good. It really is. But wow, her her whole thing with uh, it was produced by her, Jack Antonov and Aaron Desner. Uh, her first album after leaving Big Machine. Mm-hmm. Right before the Masters yep. controversy. Yes. What is the Masters controversy, Sam? The Masters controversy happened right after she left Big Machine Records in 2018. Basically, mm-hmm. what happened was when she left Big Machine Records, I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Scooter Braun had purchased her Masters, like her entire catalog of music after she left Big Machine. And she obviously wants to own her own shit. Right, it's hers. It's hers, exactly. It's her heart and soul, her life's work in all of that music. And so she tried to buy it back from Scooter or from Big Machine. I'm not sure who owned it first, but... And they basically gave her like a super long list of these crazy things that she had to do. And she was like this is not right. I should not have to do these things to own. Yeah. It's unreasonable. I should not have to do these things to own my own music. So now what she's doing is she's going back and re-recording all of those masters, all of those albums that she does not have the rights to anymore. And she's labeling them Taylor's version. That's so great. Yeah. And it's so cool because she's adding special tracks, which she's calling from the vault. So these are like, tracks that she wrote for the album that didn't make the cut so there's just extra music and scooter Braun doesn't get any of it and that's awesome yep when you when you make music and i I feel like you could probably have a personal take on it but you put so much of yourself into something that you produce and it's a part of you so for that to be withheld from her and like she doesn't own it she doesn't have any of the rights to it that's just that's just not fair to be like yeah. nope you're not with us anymore so this is our music uh see you later yeah. have a good day that's just terrible right and so much of the music she wrote when she was a teenager like i feel like for her listening to her old stuff must be like reading a diary you know, know. or cuz you you're reading her journal right cuz when when you write music at a particular time, she was most likely feeling a certain way, a different headspace, a different era, you, sh- you could say. Uh-huh. 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 Number two. Let's get a right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Right, See goodbye. you next week. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so for her to be able to look back at the stuff that she's done, it's she was probably different people and there are different reflections of, of self and like i said it's very personal for them to just be mm-hmm. like nope goodbye these are ours now see you later that that can't that can't feel good right and i'm wondering like what purpose owning all of her masters would would benefit scooter 
that didn't make sense. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, whatever the maybe maybe it's the sales. Like it, whatever they sell, like it wouldn't go to Taylor because she doesn't own them and she's not part of the label. I don't, I don't pretend that I know the intricacies of the music industry because, as you know, in this little baser profundo relationship, I am the amateur, <laughs> I am the casual, so I have no clue. Oh no, I don't have any <laughs> clue about the music industry either. At least not these big record labels and people fighting over other people's masters. Don't worry, you'll go platinum soon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Stream something that's also on Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, check out <laughs> Sam De- Sam Dequee, blow her up. Thank you. There's so much like in this album, and especially when it comes to the own themes, because as, as far as we know, like even from her own quote, she said that it's not entirely about her. And and with with the quote, I found myself not only writing my own stories, but also writing about from the perspective of people I've never met, people I've known, or those I wish I hadn't. Mm. It's not entirely from her. And I think that's what threw me off in, like I said, especially The Last Great American Dynasty and Epiphany, where it's the one that's about her... Grandfather? Yeah. Yeah, her grandfather and then the, the pandemic workers... And I was trying to think of it like, well, how does this relate to Taylor? And, you know, digging into the lyrics, I'm like, wow, okay. So sh- this is just, it's, there's, there's a lot more to it. So what, what is, what did, what did she post on Instagram about the actual, the actual album itself? She posted this very lengthy letter, if you will, about folklore and about her writing process. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing for time's sake. But this is on her right. Instagram. I'm not sure when it was posted. We'll double check and post that potentially. Um, but I encourage you to read it, the whole thing, because it's very interesting. But just reading the first few paragraphs here. The important bits. Important bits, exactly. She said, it started with imagery, visuals that popped into my mind and piqued my curiosity. Stars drawn around scars, a cardigan that still bears the scent of loss 20 years later. Battleships sinking into the ocean, down, down, down. The trees swing in the woods of my childhood. Hushed tones of, quote, let's run away and never doing it. The sun-drenched month of August sipped away like a bottle of wine. A mirrored disco ball hovering above a dance floor. A whiskey bottle beckoning. Hands held through plastic. A single thread that, for better or for worse, ties you to your fate. Pretty soon these images in my head grew faces or names and became characters. I found myself not only writing my own stories, but also writing about or from the perspective of people I've never met, people I've known, or those I wish I hadn't. An exiled man walking the bluffs of a land that isn't his own, wondering how it all went so terribly, terribly wrong. An embittered tormentor showing up at a funeral of his fallen object of obsession. A 17-year-old standing on a porch, learning to apologize. Love-struck kids wandering up and down the evergreen highline. My grandfather, Dean, landing at Guadalcanal, thank you, in 1942. A misfit widow getting gleeful revenge on the town that cast her out. Yeah. So those are just some lines about each of the tracks. And she keeps going to talk about the tales of folklore and what she wrote in isolation because she wrote this i believe in april 2020 so Mm. at the peak of the pandemic yeah she was just by by herself just reflecting and she even said that the isolation 
let her imagination run wild and it's it really made for a, a pretty fantastic piece of work like so sam on the album itself what was what was your favorite tracks what ones really resonated with you whether it's lyrically they just sound great or it just it struck you oh i'm so excited to share with you my top three top three um my top three these are this was difficult, of course, oh, because yeah. I love so many on the album. <laughs> but I, and I have to be honest, the first time I listened to this album was, I believe, in August of 2020. I remember sitting outside on the deck at my aunt's house. Mm. I was preparing for my senior year of college. Nice. And I listened to the album and I sort of felt the same way as you, Jonathan. I listened through and I was like, this does not feel like a Taylor album. This is different. It's well, first of all, it's much more folky, less pop. Right. And like lyrically, it felt different. It was it's so heavy. So heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember exactly my initial reactions, but I do remember thinking, whoa, this is heavy, but it's so, so good. But the first track that popped out to me is August, which is my absolute favorite off of the album and i I know that that august is so many people's favorites it's just so good i think for me the thing that stood out the most about august was not only the lyrics but the melodic essence of it Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that it flows is just gorgeous her vocals are gorgeous on this song and I highly recommend, if you're a fan of August, to listen to the live version that she does in the Disney Plus film, the Long, St- oh, Long, St- Jesus. Long Pond Studio Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut that out. Leave that in. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I didn't even know there was uh, a thing on – you said it was on Disney Plus? I believe it's on Disney Plus, Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't. Even, I should have watched yeah. that. Yeah, everyone, let's let's have a let's have a watch party uh, at different points in time, different locations. We can just pretend that if you're watching it, we're all watching it together. That'd be great. Have a good time. Yeah, the, I, I really like that one too. August, it's definitely they're just the beat to it. It was definitely something that I could really bop my head to. It had a really like steady shore beat, and because some of the songs off the album are more, I don't want to say depressing, but they're definitely sadder. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for me, it was the themes of it that like really struck me. Like I, I liked it. Uh, and th- this is one of the songs off of the Love Triangle trilogy between uh, Cardigan and Betty. So this was, I'm pretty sure it's, this is from, what's her name? Inez. 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 I, one of those. But yeah, it's, yeah. It, this is from her perspective because uh, like the lines in it wanting was enough cancel plans just in case you'd call like she clearly wants to spend time with whoever this is later found out to be james and that's good enough for her quote unquote but they're not together so i'm me putting it together like in my head like having listened to it chronologically cardigan being like the first ones in mm-hmm. in 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 the uh, in the track list what is it number two Cardigan's number two, and this one's like yep. number six, eight, eight, eight something like that. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like I, yeah, it's eight. And so I, I, I literally I didn't put it together until Betty, but I was just like, okay, they're not together, just because you were never mind. I'm like, oh, it's it sounds upbeat, like the tone of it was was more upbeat, but it's 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 sad. It's definitely sad. Yeah. In in, in that in that trio, there are no winners. It's all bupkis. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you 
said that August was sung by Inez's perspective because that's what I thought when I listened and first heard about the love triangle, I thought that, and this could be so far off. I just assumed that Inez was Betty's friend Mm -hmm. and August was sung by the girl that James cheats on Betty with. Yeah, well, see, that's what that's what I thought. I thought that Cardigan is Betty, and James is singing Betty about her because he cheated on her with Inez. Oh, okay. I yeah, okay. That's interesting because I I thought Inez was was like an outsider. Like you heard the rumors from Inez, you can't believe a word she says most times, but this time it was true. I just assumed that Inez was like a friend of Betty's and was like, hey, did you hear that James oh, slept with so-and-so? Okay, that that makes sense. And I've heard quite a few people think that August has sort of like a dual meaning because not only is it the month that the it's like summer. ill-fated romance takes place, exactly, but also it can be a name. So I've heard oh, that some people I think do, do. that August yeah. is the name of the girl. Oh, because I I, I do know someone with with the name August. That actually makes sense. Okay, so maybe that's a good point. Maybe Inez is just the is just the local gossip and and Betty heard about it from her. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, in August, because even in in Betty, he even says that like it takes place like over the summer and similarly with August. So. Yeah, they're definitely connected. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know why I just I heard the names and I just immediately were like, all right, cool. This is this person. That's it. We're, <laughs> we're cut. We're done. Awesome. Put it together. I mean, it could be it could be that Inez is the third person in this um, triangle. But mm. I don't know. It's so interesting. And that's the thing that I love about this album is that you can just keep keep on guessing. And so going off of August, my one of my favorite songs off of the album was Cardigan. Like that I think that was my number like two of the songs that I liked. Just right away, right off the bat, I was like, oh, this is like this is really nice. This is this is a really nice sound to it. Um, but parts of it that I really resonated with and because I was looking at it very heavily lyrically because the way that i did it is you know i i I listened to them on spotify like as i was doing things i listened to them in the car as i was driving to work just so i could be i could be saturated with taylor i i saw i saw her in my dreams in my nightmares because i listened to folklore so much (laughs) but cardigan really struck me just because it's that's one of the singles right Is, is cardigan yes i believe cardigan is either one of two singles or the only single from folklore Right. So just the lyrics of it that, that I really liked is, oh, when you're young, they assume you know nothing. Like, you, like they don't think that you know that you're being taken advantage, advantage of. Like, you're, you're somehow, like, ignorant. But it, that, right. uh, that, that felt more like a fair-weather friend, but romantically. It's like to put someone on, which is sort of like, oh, no, no, no. To put, to put someone on. She says it in in the um in the lyrics because she's portraying herself as a cardigan and she's being put on but thesaurus time the our, our little our little uh, dictionary corner to put someone on is defined as a hoax oh j'accuse you're being trapped <laughs> <gasps> as a hoax as a wow. hoax she's being put on 
She's being worn. Wow. And to, to put her on like an old cardigan and come around like whenever, whenever it's convenient. So this girl can, Betty, Betty can tell, I'll, I'll just use her name because it's more personable. Like Betty can clearly tell that this guy is, is just coming around whenever, whenever it's convenient for him. You know what I mean? Like he, he remembers that she exists and that she's still there so he can come back whenever he wants, even though he's, he's chasing, he's chasing two girls at once. And he's going to lose them both. Right. And I think it also sort of tailors to the idea that Betty is taken, is being taken advantage of because she, quote, feels like a cardigan, an old cardigan under someone's bed. You put me on and said I was your favorite. So it almost feels like when she's feeling down, when she's feeling like that old cardigan under someone's bed, that's when James comes around, picks her up and says, you're my favorite and almost uses her. Exactly. And, and, and by him saying, oh, you're my favorite, it makes her feel special. And it it pushes away those like awful feelings that she's probably because the, this person that she really clearly likes is mm-hmm. taking advantage of her. And, and she knows it because she even says, like she said, I could, uh, she could see it coming. She says, I, I'd, I knew I'd curse you. And you'd miss me once the thrill expired. So mm-hmm. even though she, what it seems like she she knows she's being put on, she could see it coming. But well, it's like once it once it got there, she knew that it wasn't going to last. But that's yeah. just that's awful. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very it's so sad. It's very sad. But whoever this whoever this guy is, James chasing chasing multiple girls at once. What a player. Oh yeah, and then that even that even plays into uh, Betty because what is the line? Because Taylor even said it in the in her Instagram post. It's oh, where is it? A cardigan that still bears the scent of loss twenty years later. Like she's still. It, I think it was in Betty that it's. And, and and both Betty and Cardigan, like it's her first love, like it's the first true relationship that she was in, and it went so horribly. And then later, a seventeen-year-old standing on a porch learning to apologize. Mm-hmm. So c- very clearly, like going to going to Betty, he knows that he's done wrong. Like he understands what is what is going on, um, and even. It's it's uh, she even says that it's told by a teenage boy's perspective about losing the love of his life after he cheated on her. So yeah. in the song, he, he understands that he's done wrong, and, I've, and I'm pretty sure at a certain point he realizes that it's it's not going to work, and he's frustrated because he says something about when when he stands on her porch when he shows up at her party and apologizes. Is she going to tell him to go fuck himself? Which I think is a really fantastic line. <laughs> as she should. As she right. should tell him. He did all that. Gave her the run around. How dare he? But yeah, like, right. he's definitely remorseful. And he's and he's thinking about her. But he's still running around with Inez. Like he's remorseful what he did. Or like we said, maybe it's Inez. Maybe it's August. We don't know. But he really wants we to be know. with her. But it's clear she's not reciprocating his feelings. So it seems like he gives up and gets in the car with Inez. Like he says that he's laying next to her and he, and he gets in his car after she picks him up until the very end. Like, it seems like he's like, no, I'm done. I'm going to go, I'm going to go be with this other person. But then he shows up at her porch and is asking her 
like if they could still be together, which from Cardigan, it is it is not looking up because mm-hmm. why would you? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I, I, I even clearly in my notes, I think it's really funny because he even says he mentions a cardigan. And I had that like moment where like two of my little brain neurons bumped into each other. And I went, oh, <laughs> it's cardigan girl. Oh, no. Standing in your cardigan. <laughs> oh, great song. Yes. I really like that is where these three songs come together to form an overarching story. Like you're getting it from everybody's perspective mm-hmm. and none of them. Yeah. Are, and none of them are good because the, the person from August, like it's, it's obviously like a summer theme. They mentioned like taking place over summer. Cause she says, Oh, cause you were never mine. It, it, it made me think of like, okay, so this guy was with another girl. Then they run away together and then he feels bad. Oh no. So sad. You felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> but so what was um what was your other song cuz I've I've done two. So what was your tops? My so my first was August, my second is Peace. Peace. Peace, which is at the end of the album. Mm. Um yes, it's so good. Honestly, I was not sure what the theme was when I first listened to it, mm-hmm. I think what drew me was initially the bass line. It's so, so good. It just, and it's the fact that it's the bass. I think there's also a guitar line in the beginning and Taylor singing. Mm. It, just the acoustics of it. It's, it's very light. It's very airy. And now that I actually know what the song is about, it's it's a little bit darker. What 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 do you what do you think it's about? Because this is one where I was like going over the lyrics, and clearly it seems like this person f- faces someone, but it's it's uncertain because they're like, oh, family that I chose. Now that I see your brother as my brother, is it enough? So there's sort of like a it, there's like a wavering certainty would it be enough if i could never give you peace like what do you yeah. what is what is your interpretation from it i interpreted as peace sort of represented like a slew of things it could be love it could be certain parts of their relationship that this person is not able to give them just in general it's perhaps maybe a lack of ability to give as much as the other person might like to receive so so there so it it feels like 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 they're not doing enough right like and they just use peace as like an overarching sort of thing that encompasses a bunch of different areas of this relationship um but i guess in a rolling stone interview that she did with paul mccartney actually she said that yeah super cool she actually said that peace is quote actually more rooted in her personal life than other tracks oh really okay yeah and she said quote whether that's deciding where to live who to hang out with when to not take a picture the idea of privacy feels so strange to try to explain but it's really just trying to find bits of normalcy that's what the song peace is talking about like would it be enough if i could never fully achieve the normalcy we both crave so i guess in a sense it is sort of like what would happen if i couldn't give you these things these things that you're expecting these things that i'm expecting Mm. the things that you hope for that i hope for but taylor literally wrote it as peace p 
peace and privacy, peace, privacy, normalcy. That she's trying to find. Yes, exactly. Away from, I mean, obviously she's a huge pop star, so she probably never has peace in her daily life. Yeah, I mean, with with 92 million monthly listeners on just Spotify alone and like how big she's absolutely blown up in the past however many years – and just imagine being a celebrity of that caliber. Like, you can't just go out and do things. Like, you want to feel like things are completely normal. Like, you're just like another person sometimes. Like, I can only imagine to a certain degree, like, wouldn't you wish to to turn that off? Like, to just to be able to like, be like, oh, hey, yeah, let's go hang out. Let's, let's, go, let's go do this. Like, if you're hanging mm-hmm. out with someone and you just, you can't. Or you need like an entourage. Like I know it just makes me think of like when the presidents go out and they have this squadron of just like this small army of people <laughs> that are just flanking them to make sure that everyone's cool. So right. uh, yeah, I could just imagine that, that that just probably weighs super heavy and it's just it's so much. Yeah. And I can imagine how that would strain a relationship for sure. Especially if the other person is not in the spotlight oh, or my not God. as involved in the spotlight. That would be so Which I'm weird. not sure. I know. I'm not sure if this person that she was talking about, well, first, I don't know if this is actually about her life. I assume that it is. But if it's not, I'm not sure who she is singing about or who the other end of this relationship is. But I can't even imagine if they were not in the spotlight as much as Taylor, how that would affect them in their relationship. Right. Like it probably even if say you're in a relationship and you're famous, the other person's famous, you're trying to find moments of just, you know, intimacy, alone time, things where you can just be yourself, where you're not in the eye of scrutiny of like the public, the press, and just like sort of like weighing like hovering all around you at, at all times. And just imagine mm-hmm. how jarring that is for someone who's not famous, who's never done that. And they're like, oh, I want to go hang out with my significant other. And it's like, no, we can't do that. Or, oh, if we go outside, there's the paparazzi waiting to take snapshots of us. Like, oh, my God. People, and a, good, a good example of this even, it reminds me of, you know, Tobey Maguire? Yep. And have you seen his reception to the press? No. He's like famously, I don't, not, not hostile to the press. Like he's not, he's not attacking anyone, but he's like shouted at, at the press to like go away and to leave him alone. And I've even seen on lists of stuff like, oh, celebrities that people think are cool and nice and not cool. They're like, oh, Tubby Maguire is not cool. He's a really angry guy. It's like, no, he just doesn't like the press. He just wants the press and the, the paparazzi to leave him alone. He just wants to be yeah. a dude. Just leave him alone. And so... It reminds me of... um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. That was done. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I love it. That reminds me of um Daniel Radcliffe. Really? A few... Yeah, because a few years ago, he, in order to get the paparazzi to leave him alone, he wore the same outfit every time he left the house. I love that. So they would just take the, like almost the same picture every time. And eventually they just stopped following him. That's awesome. Yeah, because like, they expect that he's going to come out and like different stuff. Just imagine being that paparazzi. You're just living Groundhog Day, like waiting for Daniel Radcliffe to come out. And you're like, <laughs> it's the same outfit. Oh, my God. I just picture like J. Jonah Jameson. Like, I need those pictures of Daniel Radcliffe on my desk. Yeah. Why do these all look the same? <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. And then. Yeah, es- fantastic. Es- especially like the people. Have you seen? It's like it's like anti paparazzi clothing. 
No. Yeah, it's it's essentially is when paparazzi will take pictures of you. They'll they use their flash. It reflects off of the clothing. Like I, I think I've seen it in scarves and a bag. Is where when they take a picture of you, it will like reflect really poorly with the the flash of the camera and it'll like completely oh. mess up the picture and it'll make it like way too dark like way too bright so they'd be like oh yep don't take pictures of me you're not gonna get any good ones jokes on you haha <laughs> so <laughs> i think that's like a really good like extra like shot at the at the paparazzo yeah that's a fantastic invention mm-hmm. i would never have thought to wear something like that or to invent something like that so perhaps yeah. to whoever Exactly. That. They need a medal because that is that is just really cool. Agreed. Oh yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Though I never knew. I know he was with yeah. with, with fans. I know he was like just really nice. People could just he would accept like any any treatment. I'm pretty sure he was on the Graham Norton show, and he was like being like talked about and stuff like that. Like oh you know blah blah blah, and literally people could. Oh no no, it was a woman that talked to him. And she said something really rude to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, my bad. Sorry. And then his girlfriend later on was like, you can't let people talk to you like that. Like, that's not cool. And the same thing for Rupert Grint. And I'm pretty sure uh, Rupert Grint just ended up at someone's house, like, just saying yes to things. Like, he just just kept saying, like, yeah, 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 no, totally. And then he just ended up at, like, a fan's, like, house party or something like that. Like, just imagine. What? Yeah, just imagine you're chilling, and all of a sudden, Rupert Grint, Ron Weasley just, like, shows up. So just, like, being notoriously amicable when it comes comes to fans. I just think that's mind-blowing. But, hey, man, if you're cool, you're cool. That sounds like a fever dream. I know. I know. Ugh. I can't even picture it. Um, but so aside from uh, peace, what was your third one? My third favorite is My Tears Ricochet. I like that one. It's so, so gorgeous. The reason <laughs> why it's one of my favorites, I feel like I'm going to say this about every single one. It's so gorgeous. But <laughs> the reason why <laughs> They're it's all one so of my good. faves. They're all so good, but this one is especially good. Um, <laughs> I just imagine, I just imagine you just like picking flowers. You're like, this one's my favorite. You see another one? <gasps> that one's my favorite. This Until you one's have a bouquet. My favorite. These ones are my favorites. <laughs> it's just, exactly. the, it's just the album. <laughs> yeah, it's just folklore. Yeah, exactly. My tears ricochet though. The vocals are so good. I will die on this hill. The background vocals. Oh my god, it's mm. it makes me feel like a fairy. It makes me feel like my soul is being lifted into the heavens. Now the song itself is actually extremely sad. No, see that's what I was going to say. You're like, "Oh, I was floating through an ethereal forest." I'm like, "I was just sad. I, what song did you listen to?" Because like <laughs> she's like talking about like death and yeah, I, was, I had like an oh shit moment. Like you had to kill me, but it killed you just the same. Like putting her mm-hmm. like at her funeral, putting her into her grave. And I'm sitting here like, oh my God, what is happening? Why is she dead? This is so sad. This guy's coming to her funeral that she doesn't like. Like I'm, I remember you very clearly like explaining it to me. Like I'm pretty sure, what was it? Wasn't it, wasn't it about Scooter Braun or was it different? Oh yes. They, the fans believe that it's, was about Scott Borchetta mm. or Bor- Scott Borchetta. I just butchered that. Scott <laughs> Borchetta. That's okay. Fans think it's about Scott's portrayal after Taylor left Big Machine Records because basically he screwed her over 
right with her masters selling them to scooter and things of that nature and taylor said in that instagram post that my tears ricochet is basically about an embittered tormentor showing up at the funeral of his mm. fallen object of obsession which would make sense because taylor is the object of obsession scooter or scott or whoever embittered tormentor they constantly bully her even like still housing her masters and not letting her have them back is basically tormenting her and they show up at the funeral of the fallen object of obsession which is like her funeral which is super right. dark to think about but thematically and imagery wise it is so brilliant like even like even if even if they didn't mean like even if they're not purposefully like being like ha 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 like twid twirling their comically oversized villain mustache they're not like oh you can't have these these belong to us like it's still because it's so personal and it's such like something that's so intertwined with her and she can't have them like it is torturing her and it just it's it sucks what is, what is it what is it that like other people think it's a reference to look at what you made me do yeah because there's a line and look what you made me do where taylor says old taylor can't come to the phone right now why oh because she's dead oh so and this is her funeral think, of old taylor yeah yeah so some fans think that it's basically referencing look what you made me do and the old taylor that has now died and this new taylor that has a new era obviously folklore sounds a lot different than her old stuff so it's just a new taylor oh yeah uh, and then reading reading through this, um, I'm pretty sure I thought it was really interesting because uh, apparently she wrote, the, the, especially the first lyrics um, in the song, she th wrote it after watching the, the 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 film Marriage Story. Have you ever seen that? I have, and I didn't know that. Yeah, like it's it's the one that's um, between Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Hearing about when marriages go wrong and they end in such a catastrophic way, so I feel like that would definitely tie into her leaving her uh, her previous record being sort of like a divorce and like like a really a really messy split mm -hmm. but so especially with a relationship ending uh i found that she had been really triggered by any stories movies or narratives revolving around like divorce that's where it came from from marriage story and she's even quoted by saying there's no reason it would cause me so much pain but all of a sudden it felt like something i had been through i think it happens anytime you've been in a 15-year relationship and it ends in a messy upsetting way so i wrote my tears ricochet and i was using a lot of imagery that I had conjured up while comparing a relationship ending to when people end an actual marriage. All of a sudden, this person that you trusted more than anyone in the world is a person that can hurt you the worst. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like just holding yeah. this, this very personal stuff and keeping it in the marriage. <laughs> right. It's so interesting during this discussion I'm learning about myself, something that I already knew, but something that I'm extra learning about myself is that when I listen to music, I don't really focus on the lyrics that much. Me either. Which is, a, it's a little bit frustrating for me because there's absolutely brilliant lyrical songs that if I don't like the melodic line of it or the chord progression or whatever, I like don't listen to it like as much as I should. I feel like I can't appreciate it as much if it musically doesn't sound a certain way that fits with my vibe, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel I've been listening to this album for three years 
How did I not know that one of my top three favorite songs on the album was so damn sad? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like I, I can totally sympathize with that because, like I said, it's even if I had heard these songs on the radio and I hadn't dug into them as deep as we have, like going through the research and everything, like I, I really, I really wouldn't have have even like made the attempt. But uh, and like I said, I'm glad I did because they're really good, and there there's a lot there's a lot more gravitas to them than mm. first meets the eye. But there's a certain vibe that like I always listen to. Like I have certain playlists that I'll just blow through like over and over again because I love the songs and I love the way that they sound and you know it's whatever to pass the time. So I don't I don't dig mm-hmm. too deeply into them. But then also on the flip. I, sometimes I listen to songs that are in a different language that I completely I, I can't understand, and I'm going off mm. of like sound and vibe alone. Like some of the some of the bands that like I listen to, there's a I think it's I know they sing in German, but I, I don't know if it's exactly where it is in Europe. But it's called Fürschwanz, and they it's like a metal band, and I I love their sound, I love their music. Uh, different part of the world in japan like there's a recently like i don't want to say like recently they're up and coming but they had just recently blew up on tiktok uh the band atarashi gako yeah and all and all uh an all-girl pop group from japan they're they're fantastic they have a song called otona blue that is just amazing please listen to it anyone who's listening to the episode and you sam please listen to it it's very it's very i will listen oh my god it's so great so but like because of that just how it sounds just draws me in so like i'll listen to that and when those two things come together i'll just i'll i'll just fall into the same trappings and like i won't push myself to listen to like other stuff or really critically and so that's why like that's why i i really wanted to listen and like to to folklore like when you when you pitched it because like again it's out of my realm so i was like you know what let's let's push boundary let's 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 do it so yeah definitely a really good idea because i want to listen i want to listen to new stuff i want to be i want to be more varied in my musical experience as as i like as i would recommend to everyone else yeah no i feel the same way i tend to listen to the melodic aspects of music and like you said i also too have playlists that i just play and it just repeats and it's things that i know and things that i love and i have a hard time straying from Mm -hmm. things that I'm comfortable with right. in a lot of aspects, but especially with music. But this song in particular, My Tears Ricochet, oh, the vocals, <laughs> the background oh. vocals in the chorus is just so good. I, she does a lot of ahs. There's some crunchy notes in there. And I don't know if it's um, like a cello or an oboe or like a bass clarinet, but there's a really low humming sort of instrument that just Mm -hmm. fills this void in my soul when i listen to it that combined with the background vocals the oohs and the ahs oh it sends me oh it sends me it sends you (laughs) like i i I like it gives like a very like a very i don't want to say sinister undertone but like it just it sets the mood it is a bit sinister though i agree I like it. It's just it's it's dark. This is this is this is Taylor's villain era. I like it. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan, is there another song that sends you? The one or... that the one that sent me the most just because I totally wasn't expecting it was Exile. Oh my god. You want to talk about mm-hmm. sad songs? That one was sad. 
just because it's like, huh, th that was even my first note <laughs> when I put down for exile. I was like, Jesus, uh, her seeing, <laughs> he's seeing her like, cause it's, it's a, it's a dual perspective. Cause it's, it's Taylor and what was it? it's Bon Iver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's seeing her with someone else and he's upset by it because it seems like she moved on very quickly and he still loves her. But, you know, she ended the relationship, but she sees him and is almost offended because she gave him second, third, a hundred chances. And I just I like when he's singing and then you hear her like just w almost like wispy, like like echoes in, in the back. Like she gave so many signs like mm -hmm. that she was unhappy. This relationship wasn't working and he just wasn't seeing it. And for and for for her to be with someone else it's it's offending him even though she says she's clearly like not bitter about it but she's like almost offended because she says she's not his problem anymore which like makes me think did he say that like oh no who is this even about like they still had feelings and a part of it that i also really liked just because i'm a big ding dong doofus i like uh medieval <laughs> stuff because i play dungeons and dragons a lot um they're like the medieval iconography like she's not his homeland anymore like he's defending she put in exile and she used to be no he used to be her crown well, one one of the one of the other but oh yeah. man just the fact that it's sort of like they're singing to each other about this morning of a relationship that didn't work oh my goodness i, I like mm -hmm. it i like exile i want to say that's my number one off off the album oh very cool yeah like if i had if i had to rank them it would be exile then cardigan then betty okay interesting interesting yeah i don't listen to exile as much as i should I no, have which, to which say. You should. It's very good. I know. I really should. But I do also like the medieval aspect of it. It creates such great imagery for the song when you're listening. I just, it's very brilliantly well done. And Bon Iver, Bon Iver, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but. We'll, we'll, we'll butcher at least one name per episode. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Bon Iver has a fantastic voice. That deeper register, too, is just fantastic. And it mixes so yeah. well with Taylor's low alto voice as well. I mean, right. she also can sing super high, but her her alto range really, really comes out in this entire album, which is another reason why it's one of my favorites. Exactly. I just think her tone is gorgeous. Right. And, and so I, I think that's also another thing that drew me into Exile is just like the contrast between her and Bon Iver is that just like... And it's almost like she was, she's like haunting the song. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the right words. It's a little weird way to put it. But like, because her voice comes in like so wistfully um, and he's singing his part, it's almost like she's like echoing in like the back of his mind. Mm -hmm. That's that's, yeah. just, that's just what I thought. But oh, yeah. man, such a good song. How would you rank your, your, your songs off the album? Like if you had to be like, I, or are they all number one? They're all just tied, shaking hands. Like they're the there's a Spider Man picture pointing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say they're close to being that. They're close to being the Spider Man meme. But if you had to, if I had to, I would say August Peace, My Tears Ricochet. Okay, as one, two, three, yeah. 
very good very good yeah oh there it, it's it's just it's a very good album and you can tell that people go super hard for 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 her music and her stuff like you know how you've been to her shows <laughs> the the picture mm-hmm. that i the picture that i put in today i don't know if anyone's seen it but there's one picture of it's like local two news and they're interviewing someone that has like a blanket over their head with like sunglasses <laughs> it says taylor swift fan a fan hides identity because she called out to work like they, she's like i know i'm gonna be there gonna see this so i don't want them to know it's me which is such a vibe like go see taylor go if you want to see you want to see who you want to see go to concerts they don't care about you my favorite fight fight the man my favorite exactly (laughs) my favorite thing about this picture is the fact that the blanket is completely covering her head but she puts sunglasses but she still puts the sunglasses on so it just makes her look like like cousin it at like a slumber party right oh my god (laughs) so good so good so great and then also just speaking of speaking of names butchered our our friend stevie yeah you remember how last episode we were like laufey like oh whatever it's so bad (laughs) it's pronounced levey not laufey super messed that up (laughs) sorry Sorry about that levey i'm so sorry for diehard levey fans probably went to listen to our episode and scoffed and shut it down immediately like i I can't make it through the rest of this How did they butcher her name so? How did they disrespect us, spit in our eyes? <laughs> but, oh man, I, I, really, I really enjoyed folklore. It was, it was really interesting. And plus, just, yeah. just like the vibe from the, the album cover where it's like her standing in the woods. It was, it was just a very, it's very aesthetically pleasing also. So just everything about it, it is. very good. There's a reason that she's verified and that she has so many fans that are willing to, to skip work and just go see her. It is, yeah. this isn't coincidence. The album cover is very ominous too. And I, I like the fact that she put the album cover in black and white when all of her other album covers in the past have been color. Oh yeah, like super like vibrant and stand out and poppy. And then this one is is very like muted and how do I say solemn? I don't know. I'm just throwing adjectives out there and hope they stick at this point. But it really it reflects the tone that mm-hmm. the album is is taking. It is it is sad. And she's just by yeah. herself. Like that's you know, that's where she wrote it, isolation. So it shows. It's giving yeah. sad. It's giving sad girl, not country girl. No, there's they've taken the scoot out of her boot and there's no more boot scoot boogie. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so is that all for for folklore? Have we have we reached the end of our Tay-Tay rope? I believe so. There's a few more tracks that. Oh, I am. We're not. I am totally jumping the gun. I apologize, Tay-Tay. I will be flayed by the fans. No worries. Yeah, just just to give a general overview for everyone who has listened to it, has loved it, and would like to dig as deep as we have. <laughs> so start, yeah. starting with track one, uh, The One. What, uh, what, what did you think, Sam, being the Taylor Swift aficionado? I thought this was a fantastic opener to the album, especially because the first line is, I'm doing good, I'm on some new shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you are, girl. Snaps for that. Get it. You are doing good and you are on some new shit. Um, I love the one. I think it's super catchy. I think it's upbeat. I think it's, it's very uh, nostalgic in a way. Mm-hmm. Taylor sort of like contemplates this alternative life 
in which her old wishes had come true or she had continued a relationship with an ex-lover. It's Something very, that could have been. Exactly. Something that could have been. It's very fairy tale. It's very nostalgic. Uh, it's very boppy. I'm a fan of it. Oh, what yeah. What did you think of it? I, I, I totally agree. It had, it had Out of all the tracks on the album, it had a a more vibrant vibe. And I mean, coming from the rest of the, the album, it's that's not too hard. But yeah, it's it's uh, that like, you know, she's she's digging up the grave, reflecting on, on the past that has already come and gone. And I like it. It's from from what she said. I don't I, I'm not sure if it's it, it feels more personal that like it's not she's writing about someone else. It seems as though she's she's reflecting on like her past relationship, either with her her record label having stabbed her in, in the back mm. and she's she's wondering well what if it what if that didn't happen what if it, everything had just worked out in, in the end and everything could have been okay and they didn't have to reach this point so but right i like it i, I really like the one that was that was a for for a while that was that was a runner for for one of my tops i like it actually me too it's uh, definitely up there it's great we covered Cardigan, so the last great American dynasty. I even messaged you about that one. It t- totally, I'm like, what is this about? What is going on? And then you gave me a history lesson about the uh, the St. Louis <laughs> heiress. I'm like, who is Hale Harkness? This is interesting. Yeah. So the last great American dynasty, for those who don't know, is about a, quote, misfit widow getting gleeful revenge on the town that cast her out. It is based on the real life of Rebecca Harness who is the previous owner of Taylor's Rhode Island mansion, which they called the Holiday House. She was born in 1915. She was a St. Louis heiress and a divorcee who married Bill Hale Harkness, who was the heir to the Standard Oil fortune. And there's a line in the song where she says, Bill was the heir to the Standard Oil name and money. And the town said, how did a middle-class divorcee do it? So super interesting. Relating to her, like how did she get with this oil baron? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> how, <laughs> like did, how did Rebecca, this middle class girl and divorcee, how did she get this heir to the standard oil name and money? Get, go go for it, girl. You did great. Get that bag. Freaking spend, right? spend, spend this man's money. Something that I thought was super funny was apparently after her husband passed away in 1954, he had a heart attack. She was sort of like a little menace. Oh, um, she, she apparently, became a little scoundrel up to mischief? Yeah, she became a scoundrel. She uh, cleaned her pool with Dom Perignon. Ooh, and is, that she, a, is that an alcohol? I think so. I'm probably butchering the name. This is going to be the podcast of us butchering names. No, I know. Plus, um, we don't drink, so we have like we no have, <laughs> we, we have no experience. Dom Perignon? Exactly. What is that? Ooh, sounds fancy. I, <laughs> If I didn't know from another Taylor Swift song off of the sister album Evermore, I would not know that it was pronounced Dom Perignon um, or something like that. What's Dom Perignon? Dom Perignon. But she filled her pool with that. Ballin'. She dyed a cat green. Oh. And there's a line in the song where in the bridge where she is in a feud with her neighbor she stole his dog and died at key lime green um but in real life she died the cat green but i thought that that was funny power move 
right? She also moved hundreds of thousands of dollars from one bank to another for the pleasure of confusing her accountants. Oh my She also God. believes in reincarnation. <laughs> And she filled her fish tank with goldfish and scotch. Oh, I don't know about that last one. Oh, my God. Just yeah. watching the little fishies blow up in the scotch. No. But still, like, I could just imagine, like, when she moved all that money from one bank account to another, it's like there's a story that i that i remember where it's um it's obviously you know Shaq shaquille o'neal i know it's not Mm -hmm. shaquille it's shaquille i get it it's just a funny way of saying it please don't yeah please don't let me on flames but yeah so he (laughs) he really likes walmart and i remember he was like Mm. he said he was furnishing like a house or something like that and so he's like I want to be comfortable. So he went to Walmart and like bought a whole bunch of stuff. I know. I think it was his house. Yeah. Like TVs, all kinds of, he racked up like a huge bill and like his accountant called him and been like, Hey, Shaq, I think someone stole your, your, uh, your credit card. He's like, no, that's me. <laughs> Just completely <laughs> outrageous. Like this dude is like, all right, someone is, someone's being bad. He's like, nah. I also love the fact that he's probably a billionaire or close to it. And he, comfort shops at walmart oh yeah that's really iconic super super humble like i i i really like yeah just just imagine that like you're going to your local walmart and all of a sudden just shack walks in and just is being like yeah give me like three tvs i need a couch ps4 <laughs> and it's like oh my god that's awesome right yeah to ml and plus he's also I think it's is it is it Domino's or Papa John's like the uh, the 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 pizza brand that he's like signed under? Oh, he's like the spokesperson or whatever. Yeah, I just I I think that's. I think it is Papa John's. Is it Papa John's? I think so. Oh, oh, right, it was Papa John's because Papa. Oh my God, my brain's melting. (laughs) I'm sorry, Papa John's. Papa John's. Uh, Yeah, it is Papa John's because remember when the Papa like went berserk and he was like. I ate 17 pizzas. The consistency is failing. And then people called um, him Papa Shack, like after he came in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, my God. That's I love I love I love that story. Also, just the, yeah. da- the downfall of, 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 of the Papa. Papa John. Down with Papa John. I know. Just there's there's a I think there's a Meat Canyon cartoon about him where he's just like red and like bloated after eating so much Papa John's pizza. He's just like <laughs> greasy and he's like, I gotta make sure the consistency is staying the same. It's absolutely absolutely <laughs> cracked. Oh god. But yeah, oh, La- last great American dynasty. I, I like that one. But uh Oh me too. Rebecca Harkness, uh she passed away in nineteen eighty two. And then it says Taylor purchased her house in 2013. Yep, nearly 50 years after Rebecca had left. So it was abandoned for quite some time. Oh, it even said it in the song that like after Rebecca was done being a little scoundrel all about town, that like she moved into the house and like now she now it is is her who takes up the the mantle of little little hooligan. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Oh, um, love it. Another song that you told me that you liked was Mirrorball. Yes. Oh, also a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, Taylor's- still sad. Yes. Oh, 100%. So sad. Mm-hmm. Like, Mirrorball serves, uh, apparently. So I looked, up in, uh, I looked up the meaning behind Mirrorball, and this comes off of an article on Medium.com. Uh, Mirrorball serves as a perfect metaphor for a relationship that is at times shiny and beautiful, and at other times delicate and fragile. And mm. just because it, what is a relationship if, if it's, if it's a performance, like if it's that fragile that, you know, you have to, you have to tread the line and walk on a, a trapeze, like she even says in the song, uh, the lyrics, 
So, hush, when no one's around, my dear, I'll stand on the tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. Uh, It shows, like, an intimate scene of two lovers dancing together all by themselves, and they're enjoying that moment personally. But she says, I'm still on that tightrope, and I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. It suggests that something is wrong with a relationship, and she'd do anything, even sink to that level, just to hold her 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 significant other's attention like oh that even harkens back to to august where she's canceling plans and waiting for this other person to call so that mm-hmm. so that they they can like even have the opportunity to to be together oh man i i yeah i like mirabal what did you think of it i love it again i think it's very beautifully written i think the vocals are fantastic i honestly had a hard time when i was thinking about what this song is about imagery the theme i had such a hard time because i was picturing like a disco ball which i guess is is yeah i mean a mirabal a disco ball it's the same thing right like it's yeah, I had a hard time with the metaphor of it because for me, when I think of a mirror ball or a disco ball, I think of this shiny, I guess fragile because most of them are made of glass, but this shiny, very upbeat because you usually see them at like clubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like the lyrics, I wasn't sure how they related to something like that. But now that I have reread them, like spinning in my house, highest heels love shining just for you. I see how the mirror ball serves as the metaphor for a relationship and that it's both exciting Mm -hmm. and bewildering, but also can be extremely delicate. Right. Like I, I also, I had a little trouble with it just because especially like the lyrics where she says, I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. And then uh, when I break, it's in a million pieces and then drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten. So Mm. without, without digging into, you know, whatever article or some person saying, Hey, this is what it's actually talking about. I wasn't sure at first. It was very, it was very, it was very aesthetically pleasing. Like I, I I like the song. It was like very, it was like lighter and like more airy and it, it just sounded nice. Yeah, hmm. it's very beautiful. Uh, one of my other favorites on the album. Not the top three, mind say, you. Not the top three. I would say top five for sure. The top five. Is exclusive group. Very exclusive. Top five, very exclusive, mm-hmm. is seven, mm. which is one of the only ones where when I first listened to, I actually listened deep to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It basically is Taylor reflecting on her childhood, her seven-year-old self. It flips back from past to present tense, back and forth. I think it's super interesting. Um, I read in an article on Wikipedia. I guess that's not really an article, but... That's wiki. um, (laughs) Yeah, it's wiki. Uh, She, quote, recalls the purity of her relationship with an old friend and the then seven-year-old Swift incapable of understanding the domestic violence her friend experienced, but realizing it years later, respectively. It sort of ties in this innocence and this pureness of childhood friendship and the inability to comprehend this emotional and physical abuse of Taylor's friend from their parents. And there's a line in the song that I think portrays this very well, where she says, I've been meaning to tell you, I think your house is haunted. Your dad is always mad and that must be why. Mm. And then it describes 
uh, Taylor's efforts to help her friend escape. And she says, quote, pack your dolls in a sweater. Or we'll move to India forever. Mm. It's so, so heartbreaking. It is very sad. Cause it's like, when you think about it, like, even if she doesn't understand clearly at the time of seven, which is what the what the song is in essence about just her reflecting on she didn't know and so like even yeah. if even if she did know it's just it's kind of like the it's like the futility of it but because she because she's giving the effort she's like pack your dolls we'll 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 move it's it's right she clearly wants to wants to help but like is in- incapable of doing anything about it yeah the innocence of like the realization of this young child, whether it's actually Taylor in her seven-year-old self or mm-hmm. um, somebody else, the innocence of realizing that something is wrong, your dad is always mad, I'm assuming your house is haunted, and that's why is absolutely heart-wrenching. Like, uh, one, see, one that got me, like, that I, I think I listened to it, like, like three, tr- three times was just, like, just because it was very sad, was This Is Me Trying. That one, mm-hmm. that one struck me on more of like a personal level, um, just based on like what the theme is around. I won't get into it, but just this is me trying. Uh, in a long pond studio sessions, uh, she says she was thinking a lot about addiction and mental health when she, when talking about those who are suffering. Uh, Taylor says, "No one pats them on the back every day, but every day they're actively fighting something." Um, mm. it, it really emphasizes the idea of those who are struggling and on the brink of going back to a dark place uh, when you're doing your best, but it's it's not good enough. And like the isolation that comes from that, just because of you know not everyone knows what you're going through and like what you're fighting, even if, when you're in a public space do, doing anything, even right. not not even just like drugs or alcohol or anything, just like even even mental health. Like when people are when say like you're a kid in high school and you have depression. Like it's not like your biggest day, but you still have to, you still have to go and do it. So it's like, it's a struggle. Right. The first verse is about uh, a life crisis. Uh, They've been trying and failing, dealing with strained relationships um, and drive to a cliff, pulled the car up to the road to the lookout could have followed my fears all the way down, but ultimately they turn around, but I'm there at your doorway. Uh, The second verse is about a student who had a lot of potential, but starts drinking to cope with isolation of feeling and loss. So I got wasted like all my potential. Yeah. Super, super dark. And this was another song that like I listened to, but for some reason, the lyrics did not register with me, especially the pull the car up the road to look out could have followed my fears all the way down. It wasn't until I started actually like diving deep into the lyrics that I was like, Holy shit. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that they turned around, but super, super dark. Oh my gosh. Right. So just like if, oh my God, like if you're struggling with mental health, please talk to people. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it's, it's, it's very heavy. That's, that's definitely one, one of like the heavier ones on, on the album for me. Like there's sad ones like Exile, but you listen to this is me trying and you're like, oh, woof. Yeah. The same thing with like, so similarly to, to illicit affairs, it was actually, it was making me think that they were possibly tied together. Like illicit, mm. illicit affairs, also from the Long Pond Studio Sessions, um, there's so much more to writing songs than what you're feeling in your singular storyline. I thought that it, like, it's about an affair. I'm thinking, oh, is it a prologue? Tell yourself you can always stop. I thought it was, I thought it was about drugs. 
Oh, right? interesting. So it's like, this is me trying. I'm like, okay, it seems like since it's tied to drugs and mental health, I'm like illicit affairs is sort of like the step back from that, like how, how they got there. But apparently it's just about, it's about an affair. Like tell yourself yeah. you can always stop. And the affair is like a drug. It, it was really clarified with uh, clandestine meetings to the longing stairs. It's born from one single glance. Leave no trace behind like you don't even exist. So it's like if you're, you're like if they were doing it with someone, they'll pretend like, oh, if they see you in public that they don't know you or like you don't even you don't right. even exist. That's super interesting yeah. that you thought it was about drugs and that and, you know, that that makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, like, so it, it just made me think of, like, you know, when it says clandestine meetings, it makes me think of, like, oh, you go to meet your guy in a parking lot. Like, you're going to go, you're going to go get, like, get right. lead, find a man. And, yeah, and there's another line where it says, uh, tell your friends you're out for a run, you'll be flushed when you return. That also could be related to drugs as well. Yeah, or 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 alcohol. Like, I know that some people, yeah. when they drink, they get, like, real red and, like, sometimes swollen. Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about. <laughs> Same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The next uh, track on the album that I it, it, it didn't exactly um, strike me as hard as the others, but in, Invisible String. Mm-hmm. Um, what What are your thoughts on on that one? Because like I said, it was it was it was a little bit on the uh, not not in my top five. Me neither, but I think this song is a little bit more joyful. Mm. Then some of the other ones, definitely, for sure, not as dark. I like the fact that the song is about an invisible string tying you to me. It feels very nostalgic. It feels very, like, I feel like this one I f feel could be related sort of to the one. Almost where it's like, I still feel connected to you. And here's what could have happened but it didn't. Right. But we're still connected in a way. And it's lighter in the way that it's it's clearly like things have happened, like time has moved on. And she she said in, in an interview that the, the, the lyric, cold was the steel of my axe to grind for the boys who broke my heart. Now I send their baby's presence. Like the boy who broke her heart. And, and mm -hmm. at this point in the relationship, like they've moved on and so has she. She even said, I remembered I wrote it right after I sent an ex a baby gift. Uh, and I was just like, man, life's great. Like, like just imagine <laughs> being able to come that far and you're like, oh my God, congratulations. Here's something from your, uh, like your wish list or whatever. Like, right. And that's, and that's, that's real growth. Good for her. I know, right? And, and having it like be personal. She's like, no, I did that. That's why I feel like it's sort of related to the one because it's like. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like reflecting on the past, like, you know, we went wrong and you're reflecting on it 20 years later. Right. Um, one, the, the track 12, I really liked. Uh, this one is in my top five. Mad Woman. Ah, it's in the top five. It's exclusive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mad Woman. I liked it. Uh, because it's it's vindictive it's it's definitely a little vindictive, which I mm -hmm. like. It sort of has that feeling like you're calling me crazy. I'll show you crazy, like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like, so fans think it's about Scooter and Scott and like the relationship with her and how it's really mm. not nice. So. Uh, from 17, uh, women, especially celebrities, are constantly ridiculed by men, society, and yes, even women. 
but you dare to fight back with your aggressors and you're labeled emotional and crazy because like she even says in the lyric every time you call me crazy i get more crazy what about that and when you say i seem angry i get more angry like it's sort of like it's like when that that like really unhealthy perception of when women like show their emotions and they show they're dissatisfied and they're like oh my god why are you so upset you're like blowing up and it's like i wasn't mad before now i'm mad right yeah it's a lot of like gaslighting that women go completely like and i think it also shows that sort of dissonance that has always sort of been around in terms of like the different sexes and how people view anger Mm -hmm. with within these sexes Uh, like men generally they can get angry and it's okay if they're angry and it's okay if they're an asshole but as soon as like a woman is angry she's labeled as all of these terrible things, emotional, crazy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Like a guy can get mad and whatever. And it's like, oh, he's just, he's very passionate. But like when a woman does it, like she's aggressive. Exactly. Yeah. Just been so that. And I think that's why I liked it so much is just because they're like, Taylor, stop. Like, what do you do? Why are you so upset about your stuff? No, you can't have your masters back. They're ours. You got to buy them. And she's like, are you serious? She's like, you know what? I'm right. going to re-record them. I'm going to re-record them and I'm going to put them out and everyone's going to love these more. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> uh, stick it. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, such a good one. Uh, yep. Epiphany. One of the ones that I was talking about before that I didn't exactly understand. Like I completely went, Me completely went over my head when it came to Same. like the tone of it. I was just like, okay, it's clearly very sad. It has like war and holding someone's hand through plastic. I was like, what is going on? But Apparently, it's uh, the duel of talking about her her grandfather who fought at the Battle of Guadalcanal. That's another one we struggled with in the Second World War. Yeah, so sorry. Um, and then the like the people in the pandemic, like the doctors, where they're fighting their own battles. Like you know, you know how that mm. you might you remember, like you know the the medical professionals and like how tight they had to like bundle themselves up because they were working with people who had covid and then they would still get covid and then they would get very sick and i thought i saw one about a a doctor or a nurse who just who just died he 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 got covid and and and, and he passed away when which is mm-hmm. like their their own war yeah and a lot of them had to in the beginning of the pandemic because we weren't sure how contagious we had no idea covid-19 was we had no idea they a lot of healthcare workers had to move away from their families and just literally like live in isolation, go to work and care for these people and then go back to isolation, which is horrifying. Mm. I mean, that whole era of time was absolutely horrifying. But um, yeah, I think it's really, I don't know. It's really nice that she wrote this song about like the mental anguish. And especially for the time. Right. Oh man, yeah that that was that was like very like touching and and, and pressing for like the current issues. We we've mm-hmm. we've known we know more about it. I don't say we completely understand it, right? But like, oh man, at at the time, it's like that's that's really touching. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, I believe the finals is it the final song or no? We also have the yes. Oh yeah, uh, hoax. 
hoax i li- i think i li- that's the one that i listened to the least but i still really enjoyed it oh really oh no <laughs> i think too. it's be- uh-huh. i think it's because it's at the end like you know you have to like get right. through the other ones to to get to it like, it, it, it was still it was still a good song yeah but i thought this one was interesting cuz when i was doing research on it i read that hoax and the one were the final tracks to be written after the rest of the record was completed yes and taylor and her producer aaron both thought that they should bookend the album Mm -hmm. which i think is super interesting um i think hoax is not my favorite because it's like you said at the end of the album it's a bit slow and it's a beautiful song Mm -hmm. as they all are but genius says it's quote an appropriate final track to an album filled with melancholy and darkness hoax narrates the struggles taylor endures in a toxic relationship which i would not have picked up from just listening to the song and the lyrics and stuff yeah i wasn't sure because you know because she's she's saying like give me a reason your faithless love's the only hoax that i believe in so i i i, mm. I wasn't sure what, what, to, what to put together with it it, it, like looking back on it, I, that, that 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 makes sense. Like you know, your faithless love. Like there, someone can tell you that they love you, but if they're not faithful, it's like, yeah. She and she even says in one of the lyrics, "You knew it still hurts underneath my scars from when they pulled me apart." Like maybe they're mm. saying things that will know, like that they know will hurt her, or you knew you won. So what's the point of keeping the score? Like it's just, right. it just keeps going on and on and on. Oh man. So, but I, I like, I like how it sounds because it's, it's much softer in tone, like the, the, the piano and she's almost like, sit, like whispering, like almost like singing the song to herself. So I just, yeah. I just really liked like the way in that aspect it sounded also. Yeah, for sure. Such, such a good album. Thank you, Sam, for, mm-hmm. for suggesting it and, and having me listen to it. Cause it was, oh, it was an experience. Thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you liked it. Um, yeah, this was this has been so fun to deep dive into. I am losing steam. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> no, it's all right. And it's something. It's it's an album that's you know more personal to you. You listen to Taylor a lot, and it's it's she's an artist that you really like hold dear. And uh, being able mm-hmm. to like d- deep dive into it and really analyze her thought process behind it, you, you get you get a little closer to her in the end. Because you, you understand right. where she's at, where she's been. Exactly. But yeah, to everyone who's listening, definitely check out uh, Taylor Swift's Folklore album. It is really nice. It's really, it's it's sad. It can be lighthearted. It can be a little funny in places. But all in all, uh, it's a great album. There are 16 tracks, which I think on the deluxe edition, there's also The Lakes, the bonus track. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is very good. So definitely check that out. It came out in 2020. It only take you about an, for sure. It only take you about an hour and seven minutes to listen to the whole thing. So if you got a long drive planned ahead of you, pop it on and then just cruise. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll cry a little oh, bit. Oh, you'll cry. You'll cry more. Yeah, you'll cry. But I think that will be all from us. So, yeah. thank you for joining us on the Beso Profundo podcast, where we talked about Taylor Swift today. Yes, and don't forget to follow us on our social medias. Um, Instagram at Beso Profundo Podcast and Twitter at Beso Profundo underscore. I'm still mad about that, by the way. I'm still very bitter. And just, <laughs> I, I, I keep going on to just the Beso Profundo like m- regular main page, and I'm just like, just get, I feel like Gollum giving me coin. 
This one. We should like message them, be like, please, can we please have this handle? Please give it to us. We want it. Um, so yeah, check us out on there. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. And thank you for having us. I am Jonathan. Yes, we are. I'm Sam. And you all have a very good morning, noon, and night. See you later. See ya. Bye.